when you open yourself up to everything that you truly desire, the desire that's within you will magnetize all that you require in the seen and the unseen world. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. My name is Cordelia Gaffar. I'm the CEO of Workout Around My Day and the Ultimate Joy Goddess. I guide highly intelligent women to be aligned in their four minds and become multi-orgasmic through 90-day embodiment experiences and intensive embodiment experiences as well as one-on-one -on -one intensive experiences. Allow yourself to be free. So welcome to the Free to Be Show. Today I'm happy to welcome back Daniela Stevens. Hello. Hi there. How so are you? <laughs> yes, I'm happy to have you back. So we had such a long list of different topics that we wanted to discuss. <laughs> that you'll probably see her a lot on the show in the coming months. Um, but today's topic is talking about pronouns and uh, sexual and gender fluidity. So um, as I mentioned the last time I had her on, she uses the pronoun they. So I want to discuss that with you. How did you... Um, First, yes, I do want to know personally, uh, why did you choose to use that pronoun? And then we'll go into the rest of the story. You know, gender is an, an, a compelling thing. And for me, I started exploring what gender means to me, how I feel inside my body, how I express outside of my body, and also what gender means in interaction and interconnectedness with other people. I started learning more about diversity amongst other animals, uh, trees, ways in which, you know, when we think about the difference between sex and gender as we're re mm. as related to our bodies, we're told that sex is like determined by our genitals. And so we think about that in terms of, of procreation, of how do we create life? How is nature creating life? I remember being the smallest of children and watching my three children go through um, conversations around seeds to plants and how does germination happen and um, watching the evolution of butterflies from, from caterpillars. So learning about folk who are intersex, meaning they might have more than one sort of gendered or sex, sexualized um, genitals. So maybe that's somebody who has two uteruses or who has an inner and external clitoris and also a penis or who has um, various parts that don't show up in this clinical way. 
And so when we begin to understand that biologically, we are so much more diverse than just the visual sexual organs that a doctor can see when we're born, it opens up questions around gender. If stereotypically or traditionally, our gender has been based on the sexual organs a doctor can see when we're born. Does that make sense? I am not going to answer that question. <laughs> what I'm going to say is um, <clears throat> I understand the pattern of thinking, you know, and you bring up a really good point, <clears throat> androgyny, right? Like a lot of people are not aware that that exists, but it, what, what's the percentage? It's like point zero something percent of people have sometimes two sets of genitals or as you describe may have two uteruses i've met someone without a uterus but has genitals like a female interesting you know so that happens and um so that uh so i love the way that you introduce the idea and how you're relating us back to nature you know um, because the human body is like a microcosm of the actual physical world. So um, as we build a case, and you know, I actually don't like that question is why I'm not answering it when you say, does that make sense? I hate that question because okay. like, um, mm, let me think about how I want to say this. So that's assuming that there's a possibility that what you're saying is illogical. And I don't believe that. I believe that everyone, <laughs> it's equal opportunity when it comes to logic. Like if that's <laughs> your logic, it makes yeah. sense to you. Whether or not yeah. it makes sense to me, doesn't really matter. You know what Got I it. mean? Yeah. Because we, we have to believe in what we believe in is what I believe. Right. And so, um, I would say that um, I think you explained it extremely well, you know, so anyone listening can definitely understand the, the thought pattern behind that, whether if it's specific to you or if there are other people that also believe the same thing, you know, and yeah. this, this is where, um, this is a part of the reason why I call my show the free to be show, right? Because like you're free to believe whatever you want to believe. You're free to think whatever you think. And I have you here so that you can express that, not to not to validate what you think because I believe it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just to be super clear. Um, okay, I like that. So this is a, a good beginning and a good building block. Um, so then my next question is, I'm really curious um, for how does, how, how has that changed your view on, um, your sexuality? Because I think the other thing that you said the last time we spoke, whether or not we published this was that you're pansexual and I, and first give the definition of that for people that don't know what that is. Yes. Yeah, so I identify as queer and then if someone were to ask me, what does that mean? Because it's a big term that means different things 
for every single person who identifies as queer. And for me, the, the first way in which that shows up is I identify as bisexual, bisexual plus, and or pansexual. What those words mean to me, and again, they mean different things to different people, is that I'm attracted to people of different genders who have different genitals, who have different gender, gender expressions. Maybe they don't identify with a gender at all. So that might be, I've been in romantic and sexual relationships with men. I've been in romantic and sexual relationships with women. I've been in romantic and sexual relationships with people who identify as non-binary, who use she that pronouns, who use he pronouns, who use they pronouns. And so for me, my, my sexual attraction and the sexual chemistry I experience and also the romantic attraction and the romantic kind of, um, it is chemistry too, but the romantic connection I have with someone isn't based on what their body looks like or how they dress their body or even what gender they experience themselves to be from within. I'm more attracted to connectedness connected with and fall in love with the person altogether. So that's what being a queer, bisexual, pansexual means for me. And we've been getting more nuance on these words, right? It's like when I was younger, we didn't pull apart romantic attraction from sexual attraction. And now we we do. There's more conversation around who we might want to exchange sexual energy with, but maybe isn't a partner we want to have children with. And that idea is really fascinating to begin to say, oh, these things can be separate. Yeah. So, and but that that begins to flow into everything. I can wear whatever clothing feels good on my body that makes me feel like me regardless of what department it's it's in yeah so it it opens up a level of freedom and a, a level of exploration that traditional labels or understandings or beliefs kind of box us into yeah, <clears throat> I think a word that we should introduce here is the patriarchy, right? <laughs> so, like, uh, all arrows pointing towards patriarchal, you know, controlling our reproductive organs and how we live and rom uh, romantic relationships are boxed into whether or not you're going to procreate. So, you know, I personally identify as sapien sexual, right? So like, unless you turn me on intellectually, it's really hard for me to be attracted. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I love what you said about the separation of having, you know, a romantic relationship separate from, you know, having children. Of course, in my case, I don't intend on doing that anymore. I think I, I did a good service for society. I did my six, you know. So like post-divorce, 
you know, I'm not planning on having any romantic relationships leading to procreating. And I'm wondering, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the same is true for you as well, right? I mean, I still leave it. I have three children. I don't know that I'll ever carry, but I have one child through adoption. Um, is it possible to adopt more, to meet a, be with a partner who might carry, to have a blended family? I don't, I don't know. I'm curious if for you, you've noticed that that particular element has changed what you're looking for or what you're attracted to in people that you might consider dating or like that you're dating um, does not looking for someone to have children with or to, in my mind, I'm like, I don't have to create a home that looks like what the traditional landscape says it has to look like. So what, what am I looking for now? Is it a yeah. change in priorities or is there more freedom to be me? Hmm. I would say both, right? So for me, it is a change in priorities. My kids have a dad. Um, and I don't want to be a mother to anybody else. So yes, I'm definitely not looking for someone that has children, wants to have children, who wants to adopt, none of those things. Yeah. Um <laughs> You're also looking for somebody who's done some work on themselves so you're not care tending and caregiving and, and people pleasing you and all yes. of us. Right? And that, yes. So, um, yeah, someone who's intellectually stimulating, intellectually evolved, emotionally evolved, sexually open. Um, and... I mean, I'll, I'll just stop there. I'm not really using, I'm not going to use my podcast as, oh, by the way. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I, no, 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 no. I don't feel on the spot. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, those those would be the top three criteria for me. So like same, well, I guess similar question back to you. You sort of already answered it, but would you say that your priorities have shifted? My priorities have shifted and I'm still sort of looking at where do they land? So I'm one of the things that I'm really interested in when I'm looking for, uh, you know, for someone to date a potential partner is this capacity to be, you know, we might call it masculine and feminine, although I don't use those words anymore. I haven't for a very long time. I'm interested in somebody who can offer and somebody who can receive mm -hmm. both care and support and love and sexually, mm -hmm. that there's an openness and a fluidity and a, you know, there's a skill and there's a capacity to be able to offer pleasure and there's such a skill and a capacity to to surrender and to receive. And so this is where my my gender identity, my use of pronouns and the the people I'm romantically and sexually attracted to also interacts with what I perf personally want to experience around sex 
And what I invite a lot of my clients to begin to consider around sex, developing the skills and the capacity to both offer and to receive, to both invite someone into pleasure and to request, hey, can you take me into pleasure? Can you invite me into pleasure? And so, you know, dating app profiles, at least the, the, the apps I'm on, ask about, are you a top? Are you a bottom? Are you a switch? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, this is an important question that's not just about sex. It's also about divisions of labor in, in, the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the home, um, expectations around who's going to do emotional care and who's not who's going to be supportive um, emotionally, mentally, sexually, spiritually, and who's not. So when I hear you say you're looking for an intellectual connection and somebody who's done emotional work and is open sexually, my ears hear someone who's freer with themselves and goes beyond gender norms and expectations of you know, men are more stoic and the only emotions we give them access to, if any at all, are like anger, maybe some sadness, but like men are allowed to feel anger and we're uncomfortable if they express any other emotions. Um, So I've had to do work to be able to hold masculine emotion and, and invite it and be safe enough for, for someone to express it because I want them to be capable of me being action-oriented, me taking care of repairs that need to be done in the house, me taking care of things that need to be done with the cars, right? These, these kind of traditional roles that fall into gender norms that also Mm. fall into sexual expectations. Wow. What a really great um, explanation because that, that is, that really speaks to gender fluidity because what are the roles now? Right. And I'm hearing you say that, the man doesn't have to fix the car, you know, like you, if that's something that lights you up, go for it. I I mean, once upon a time, I used to fix my own cars and change my own oil and all that too. But my interests changed, you know, in my case. Um, And so I outsourced that. And that's, you know, not a requirement, but, you know, just like for people listening, you know, we can think about that in our lives, you know, so what do you expect from your partner? And is it because she's a woman or because he's a man? And, you know, where can you open your mind to the possibility that what if it's just something that they like to do, you know? (laughs) Like it can be so simple, (laughs) you know? Well, I had a really lovely conversation with my former spouse years ago, who's a man, um, who we've talked about previously. And I said, you know, 
well, you're going to fix the heater, right? Like, didn't you follow your dad around and didn't he teach you how to fix appliances and fix cars? And, and he said, yes, like I followed my dad around while he was working on all of these things, but he didn't show me how to do it. Hmm. He said, the gendered expectation that I know what I'm doing when it comes to fixing heaters, fixing dishwashers, fixing cars, that's enough pressure for me to go and tinker around until I, I figure something out and then learn over time. And I realized like, I didn't get the gendered knowledge from my mother necessarily, me specifically around how to cook or how to care for, for children. I had to learn those things as an adult and sort of the social pressure and, and expectations of gender were like, well, you're going to do this. I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I'll learn. I'll, fig I'll figure it out. And so it's given me a lot of freedom to have had that conversation and to realize, okay, well, this is broken. And um, the expectation is I'm the only one here who's, who can fix it or who is, I'm the only one here. Right. So I'm going to pick up some tools and I'm going to tinker around. I'm a smart person. I'm going to figure it out. And it was just such a, an enlightening moment to realize what I had projected onto gender hmm. um, and sort of also the ancestral lineage, like these, this gendered knowledge is passed down from the paternal line, from the maternal line. And sometimes it is. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's not. Wow. Um, yeah. Like if, if, um, now you've got me thinking about my childhood. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Because for me, um, my, uh, my dad outsourced repairs. Um, and my mom spent a lot of time with us doing like arts and crafts and stuff like that. And we happened to bake a lot. Um, but my dad was the cook, you know what I mean? So um, and I kind of picked what I like to do, right? So I don't bake. I'm not great at it. Um, <laughs> but I like to cook and I create curriculums for my kids. That's why I homeschool. So, you know, that's what lights me up. So, um, yeah, this is a this is a really good... I, I like talking to you, first of all, because like when, I, when we have our conversations, I don't feel like I'm actually interviewing. I feel like we're having a conversation that I'm inviting everybody to listen to because I feel like we say the things that people think, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, what if we lived in a world where I could fix cars because I like to fix cars and not because I'm, you know, you know, of my gender, you know, what if we lived in a world that didn't already figure out, Oh, you know, well, you're six feet tall. So you must, you know, like let's, <laughs> Let, let's talk about that. Like, what other things do you see um, in the world where we're just pigeonholing people into things, but it doesn't allow for fluidity? Yeah. Like, what other things have you noticed? Well, one of the things that always warms my heart, like melts my heart, is thinking about men who really want to be held. Mm, yeah. Um, 
there's this this sense that first, like you talked about the height, like the height being a our height being a predetermined fact. There's this this unconscious, you know, self-selecting into if you're shorter than your than your partner, or if you and your partner are the same height, but one of you is more masculine presenting and one of you is more female presenting, that the 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 female or femme is going to be the small spoon. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I have such tenderness for the male clients I work with who can get to a vulnerability to request to be the small spoon while cuddling. Mm. That also, I don't I'm talking a lot about men, but men aren't allowed to request affection without the presumption that it's going to lead to sex, that they're asking for a hug or to be held or to be close on the couch because that affection presumably has to lead to sex. And so that's one of the things I've learned around my own kind of narrow focus as someone who was assigned female at birth, that men too are really harmed by patriarchy and the roles that we've set up based on gender, the roles we've set up based on height, based on our bodies. Um, so that's one that really, that really helps me to look at, well, I love being held. I love being the, the small spoon and I love being the big spoon. And it, it, it hits me if someone wants to be held and they're feeling like there's blocks that prevent them from asking for that. Yeah, there has been a lot of conversation around that lately about men um, not feeling like they have the permission to ask for affection or they feel like if they do ask for affection, like you said, like there's an assumption that, you know, Oh, uh, you know, I want to ask her for a hug, but she may think I want to have sex, you know, and, and they just don't feel free to be vulnerable in that way. And just like, you know, I don't feel like talking right now. And I don't really, you know, want to be, I don't want to be sexual, but I do want to be intimate, you know, is what I'm hearing you say there. And, um, yeah, intimacy, allowing, um, men to to have an opening for intimacy and requesting that and being free in that is I, I think that is equally a harm you know that the the patriarchy has brought and um, it, it's damaging in the most insidious way in that the repressed anger that men feel around that almost, makes them more misogynist you know what i mean because it's just like you guys you know women get to be <laughs> the yeah. the only ones who get intimacy you know without the sex and we have to have we have to perform all the time you know so yeah, yeah. well there's a and if we only allow men to feel anger mm -hmm. and then that anger builds and festers it can turn into violence or resentment or acting out that reinforces 
harm and hurt to women and femmes. And so when we don't allow men or support men or hold space for men to feel sadness or feel grief around what the patriarchy has stolen from them, then we're continuing that cycle of perpetuating what men can't be, can't feel, can't request, can't access. And at the same time, you know, we go back to like the heater or the cars, there's a, a gendered helplessness of, well, I, I can't do that. I didn't grow up knowing how to do that. Why would I be responsible for that? And yet these are things that with a little bit of curiosity, a little bit of like self-patience, self-compassion, we can begin to explore. It's like women um, and femmes I work with who want to learn how to initiate more, initiate sex more. They want to feel more um, confident around their sexuality. They want to, um, they want to be in sort of the the offering and action oriented and inviting their their partner into pleasure and they don't want to feel like they're they're the one that's holding their partnered sex life back that they they must cosmically wait for desire and arousal to appear and they're they're sort of helpless to that moment happening yeah, but see, this is where I reach over to our other conversation about, you know, just allowing pleasure in everything that you do, you know, mm -hmm. um, so that there isn't necessarily a moment, but all moments are, you know, like possibly pleasurable, <laughs> you know, it's like it, it doesn't have to be. Yes, I think you can build your day to create a, a climatic moment. But that climax could just be intimacy, doesn't always have to lead to sex, you know? Yeah. And so can you share with me some examples of that? Like, since we're talking about gender and sexual fluidity, that like pleasure fluidity throughout the day of what it means to to always hold the thread and connection to pleasure so that it doesn't feel like something we have to build, get, <laughs> get to, yeah, journey yeah. across seas to find, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. and, that it's, and that it's not something that's kind of excavated and depleted out of us. Because we're we're so in we're expected to be in service to others, that nothing is really, as you were saying, authentically, you know, us wanting to work on cars or us enjoying cooking. Yeah. When we're just I, I I I would I mean it's just so simple, right? You wake up in the morning and it's like <sighs> I have breath in my lungs. How awesome is that? And amazing. And just like, you know, if you do live with your partner, just we're breathing. Isn't it great? And just enjoying each other's morning breath. You know what I mean? It's like you can do that. Um, 
or just the warmth of their skin, you know, like just maybe the arms touching the arm, right? Mm -hmm. Enjoying the fact that the sensation of having skin and still having, you know, the ability to feel that's pleasure in itself. And like, when you think about the simplicity of what, you know, that all things are pleasurable, then that's what it is. And, and throughout the day, just, I, I guess what I'm describing is, I, I call it slow living, you know? Yeah. And because there, it, it's just like, hmm. Like sometimes it's hard for me to drive now. You know, I'm driving down the road and it's in the fall. I don't know what it's like in California, but the the um, the birds, the flocks of birds, you know how they do the thing? Mm -hmm. And so there was like one flock that was flying here and they met with another flock and I was driving and I was like, look on the road, Cordelia, you know? For <laughs> me, that was like an orgasmic moment. I was like, oh look at that. That's so amazing. And, and I knew that that meant that the air was getting cooler and that they were trying to decide on the direction and, you know, whatever, like I understood all those things instantly. And it was a pleasurable moment for me, making it very difficult for me to focus on driving, but you know, <laughs> yeah. would you so. describe, would you describe that? So like, I hear you talking about I hear the gratitude, right? And the appreciation when you're talking about waking up and, and feeling the breath in your lungs and feeling the presence of a partner or the warmth of a partner, right? And I'm wondering if pleasure is this translation of that gratitude from like a mental kind of spiritual place into the sensation of it in the body. Mm -hmm. That maybe it, pleasure is gratitude. It's just how we feel gratitude through the body in addition to like mentally. I don't know that it's so mental for me. It's more of a spiritual thing. Like first thing mm -hmm. in the morning, I don't, I don't know that it gets all the way up to the top except for I speak. <laughs> but I, it, I almost, I, I feel I'm still in my spiritual self when I wake up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also that spiritual interconnectedness to watching the bird flocks and, and the two of them become one, that sort of awe that we experience that is both like gratitude for being alive and, and the pleasure of being able to experience it all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I experience nature, you know? And I mean, even usually when I'm not driving and I can pay more attention <laughs> to nature, you know, like walking down the street is, is an, a whole experience for me. And, you know, that's really the invitation I'm offering there. As I, as I say that as a possibility, everything we experience in life is pleasurable, you know, and um, yeah. And, and if we connect it back to the gender fluidity, we can, um, have an experience that same kind of curiosity, you know, and not just um, demand our partner does one thing or the other because of the way they look on the outside, you know, it's yeah. like, 
So we've got this project and I'm wondering like, what are your thoughts on contributing to it? You know, like that could be the conversation, <laughs> right? right? Instead of you look like this, therefore you're doing that. <laughs> and we all fall into it. It's like, it's in the air we breathe. It's in the water we drink. So that the unspoken expectations and, and the implicit bias to, to presume Hey, you, you express female, feminine. Can you pick up this kitten? Can you take care of this baby? Can you make this meal? Um, you know, in office setting, it's, it's like, can you go make the coffee? What? I'm C-level. You go make the coffee. So it just begins to pull at one string and it invites us to open our minds a little bit to notice what other strings might we pull. And it goes back to what you started with. It's what makes sense kind of logically, rationally, what beliefs in my body kind of resonate in a way in which I feel more dense, more firm, more grounded, more rooted. And sometimes we're given those beliefs by our parents or relatives, our culture, our religion. Sometimes these are beliefs and thoughts that we learn more about. Um, sometimes they're very interpersonal in conversation where we're like, okay, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. It still doesn't feel true for me and in my body. And maybe there's, that's just something I could think about or explore. So what I think about is the big resistance we're experiencing in the United States, but also in the world around gender freedom, gender fluidity, sexual fluidity, and romantic fluidity, and rights for people who express outside of kind of traditional boxes. And what I experience as I continue to unfold my gender and explore it, my sexuality and explore it, is the, the, the like jumping out of a plane freedom that is both scary and exhilarating when you're beginning to question, is this a thread that's me to the core? Or is this something I was handed by relatives or culture or religion that I want to be curious about? And it's it's overwhelming that when you pull on one thing, you're not sure what else it's connected to and who you might really be when you're when you're weaving together your own tapestry of self. Mm. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that perspective with me because see, I was just thinking it must be super freeing for you. Like, um, I feel like, what? no, it's overwhelming. Really? Well, it's, it's like, okay, <laughs> if I can offer pleasure, if I can receive pleasure, if I can invite my partner and initiate, if I can be, if I can request if I can do everything, be everything, 
then I have to be really tuned into myself Mm -hmm. to ask myself, what do I want in this moment? I have to be really present. Do I want to offer? Do I want to receive? Am I open to either today? And there isn't, you know, the guide rails Mm. of of gender roles or gendered expectations to dictate that path for me. So it's a paradox, Mm. a beautiful paradox and double bind of like, if I can date and have sex with anyone who's over 18 or, and willing and what, you know, not all those things. (laughs) Then there's a great freedom. There's like my, my population doubles, right? There's a lot more fish in the sea, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And my discernment has to strengthen. Just like with sex, just because we're having more sex, the quantity of sex is high doesn't mean the quality of sex is high. So even if I have larger numbers of people I could possibly be attracted to, I have to get clearer within myself how to discern through the the bigger array of numbers to decide who I want to spend time with. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I, discernment is always key, you know, when you're selecting a partner, whether or not it's, you know, long-term or short-term. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> or whether or not you want short-term or long-term because the default's long-term, right? The default expectation is long-term partner. Long-term, Right. But I feel, you know, one thing that I am aware of is that it seems like all systems that the patriarchy has really begged, borrowed, stolen, raped, and killed for are about to be burned down. So from that perspective, it's kind of like the only... uh, the only thing that is left is to be present, right? With yourself. And when you start from that place, you become the vortex of the things that are for you. So like, it's almost like once that vibration is aligned within, discernment happens, you know, it is, and who's for you will just come, you know? And uh, it's not, it's freeing, you know what I mean? Because it's all, that, that's the, um, those are the parameters of the vortex being created. Yeah. Yeah. So simple. And, and I imagine so much of your work is supporting people to clarify and create and connect with that vortex. Mm-hmm. Right. That's. That's where the vast majority of the work is, is to know self, to explore self, to center and ground into self, to align into self so that the magnetized, emergent, flowing experiences 
unfold pleasurably in every moment of the day. For mind alignment, that's it. Yeah. Thank you for, for putting that together. <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> right? So yeah. for me, a lot of the work that I do with, with couples and individuals is to kind of support them to zoom back and and to name, hey, these are some of the, the unspoken expectations from not only patriarchy, but white supremacy, from fat phobia, from heteronormativity that we've been given, they might still be true for you. You might still want to bake, right? And this is an opportunity to align within yourself to say, is that something I like or is that something I was told to like? Hmm, yeah. Do I find pleasure in this because it lights me up and evokes something for me and 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 supports me to feel connected into the the to the weave of nature? Or is this something I feel good about because I'm doing what I was told to do? Which has its own like feel good, but it's different from that coming within it's the it's the it's the head pat it's the gold yeah. star right it's not the being lit up from within alignment that you support people to experience yeah exactly so to put a beautiful bow at the end of this and bows are good for all genders by the way i mm. think they're very nice <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say, um, I feel like there were like three, you know, different, uh, main ideas here. What would you say the top three golden threads are here? And I'm going to put you on solo. What I want us to really explore, especially when it comes to the, to the freedom for us to to clarify and name who we are, to be in alignment with who we are. We want to explore how gender and sex have influenced, have, have formed expectations around who we are romantically, who we are in the bedroom, what emotions we're allowed to express or not express, and begin to cultivate discernment so that we really can understand who we are free to be. We can experience this inner freedom to be ourselves with absolute self-acceptance and self-compassion when there's so many outside forces who are trying to tell us who we are and who we have to be. I feel like that's, that's really what we've been talking about together. Beautifully summarized. Thank you so much, Daniela, for being here again on the Free to Be Show. And we'll have you back again. Um, and for those of you who are viewing and listening, share this with another heart, share this with another soul. And until next week, be free. Thank you for listening to the Free to Be Show. And now allow yourself to go into the oceans of your mind and go within
and offer yourself the opportunity to be a sacred experience. A sacred experience is just simply allowing yourself to start fantasizing. What would it feel like to truly be free to be in the way that you were created, in the way that you show up in everything you do and every way you be? Fantasize how you can truly be free and connect with me at cordeliagafar.com.